0: friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. Uh, Becca, you continue to amaze me uh, because even whenever I came here to visit, uh, you have always displayed uh, vulnerability, uh, which is such a wonderful thing to have in a church family. That is often not done. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Praying for you. Love you um yeah oh by the way my name's andrew hicks i know i haven't been here in a while uh nice to meet you i'll be your preacher from here on Uh, no yeah uh thank you to everybody who has helped with uh baby ezra he is just perfect um uh he is a beautiful wonderful child hannah's uh, with him right now as soon as i'm done preaching my mama and i are going to slip out the back door we're heading to memphis i'm taking a grad class all week but i'll be back by sunday no worries just in time for father's day so i'll be here um and if you what'd you say Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, If you helped bring us food, thank you so much. Your dishes are back here on the counter. Uh, So be sure to grab those. I I brought them this morning. They're washed, so they're good. Uh, Do you want to live a life that is good? Of course you do. Nobody wakes up and says, you know, I'm going to ruin my life today. I'm going to make choices that are so bad that it'll have lasting consequences that I'll deal with for the rest of my life. I want to be miserable and alone with no friends. I want to squander all my money and rack up as much debt as possible. I want to be miserable. Nobody does that. Of course not. You want to live a life that is good. Of course you do. We all want to live a life that is good. More than that, we want to be good. We want to live into the fullness of what God declared over us in the beginning, that, that all that he has made, including us, is very good. Not just good, but really, really good. We don't intend to have a life that is defined by instant gratification, but we do often settle for it. We take the short-term gratification with long-term consequences rather than short-term hard work with long-lasting benefits. It seems like a payoff that makes sense at the time, but in the grand scheme of things, it only ends up hurting us. You know, freedom is not doing what you want. You know this. Freedom is doing what you really want. Freedom is not doing what you want. It's doing what you really want. And the life that is good is all about doing what you really want, not what you just want or think you want. Self-help books are always going to promote the how to have a perfect life and four easy steps. Uh, yes, because we've always known life to be easy. Yes, perfect life, four steps. Yes, that makes total sense. no. Foolishness is the product of easy steps. Wisdom is the product of hard work and discipline. And that's what we need to live a life that is good. Wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to navigate the complexities of life with discernment and discipline. And the biblical word for wisdom is chukmah. Yeah, chukmah. It's got a good sound to it. But the biblical word for wisdom means more than what we think of whenever we think of wisdom. It really has two senses. And the second sense is more what we think of as wisdom. The first sense is far more ordinary, far more everyday, run of the mill, homespun. And it is simply skill or expertise. Skill or expertise. This is the person who has studied a trade and is very good at their craft. This is John Eason. He's a painter by trade. Pastor John Eason, next door. He's a a painter by trade. If you want to know how to paint, And I mean, not just slop up some wet substance on a surface, but paint and do it well and do it right. Go ask John. That's his trade. He's been trained in that. He knows how to do it. Um, I could watch a few YouTube videos and try to fix the plumbing. I could. I am not going to. I'm going to call someone who's trained in the craft that does it well. And this may sound silly, but I even enjoy watching the lady who gives me a haircut because I could take a pair of clippers and I could just go for it and see what happens. And I think of myself as being pretty smart, but there's just something about someone who knows what they're doing and watching them at their craft. This is why I think we love to watch cooking shows, right? There, it's one thing to be the Pinterest amateur that can pull something off of line and follow the recipe and it's like, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. But there's something about watching the, the artisan, the chef, the culinary master cook a meal. And then even watching them eat it, or if you've ever eaten like a really fine meal that someone who's a real chef has made, uh, I I swear they could cook anything and I would eat it. Even those things that I say I don't like, I bet they could cook it and I bet you I'd eat it because they know what they're doing. They know how to do it and do it right. They're trained in their craft. They take just this, this great delight in cooking and making food. And there's something about watching them in their craft. Jazz musicians actually have a term for this very phenomenon. It's called woodshedding. Woodshedding. The idea is you go and you lock yourself away in the woodshed, and you don't come out until you got it. You get away from all the distractions. Get away from everybody else, everything else. Get out there, and if you, I don't know, play trumpet, take your trumpet, get out there, and get away from everything else. It's time to woodshed. And then whenever a jazz artist gets up there and they're very good at what they do and people are impressed, I'm given to understand that fellow jazz musicians might look at each other and say, he's been woodshed. <laughs> Biblical sages are those who that, when they live their life, we look at them and they go, they've been woodshedding." They are good at their craft. A sage is the wise person. The sage is, is the one who wrote the book of Proverbs. Can you see how that helps us understand what we tend to think of as wisdom? Wisdom is one of them abstract words. It's just kind of ethereal and up there in the headspace. Wisdom. But you bring it down, it's skill, it's expertise about life and all of its various complicated facets. This isn't something for which there are four easy steps. No, no, no. We need a training course. We need to go to trade school. We need to go to wisdom school. Um, And that's what the book of Proverbs does. The biblical book of Proverbs. Or at least it's the introduction. There's more wisdom literature in the Bible than just Proverbs. But Proverbs is really the place to start. For example, Job is not for the faint of heart. Ecclesiastes is not for the faint of heart. Song of Solomon is not for the faint of heart. You get my point. Proverbs is an introduction. It's how you learn wisdom. It's how you learn how to use the tools, and then you get to go use the tools. So you learn how to use the paintbrush, then you go use it. You learn how to use the mixer, then you go use it. You learn how to use Proverbs and riddles and sayings, and then you go use them. Really, it addresses all of those different and really difficult aspects of life. Marriage and family, money and wealth, faith and religion, language and communication, politics and leadership. If there's some sphere of life, I bet you that Proverbs addresses it, because it does. So if you want to live a life that is good, and you told me you do, I think we all do, then learn wisdom. And the place to start with that, to get into training school of wisdom, is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, it's also not for the faint of heart though. It's not as complicated as Ecclesiastes. It's not as boring as Leviticus. It's not as complicated in its imagery as like Daniel or Revelation. It's not as like overwhelmingly detailed as Paul. But It has its own complications, doesn't it? For anybody who's ever tried to tackle Proverbs and really dive in, it has its own problems. For example, it has a really frustrating lack of structure. Have you noticed that? I mean, my goodness. Could you just tell me all the Proverbs that have to do with marriage and family and then I could go look it up? Yes, this is hard to reference. Uh, at least Leviticus has some discernible structure. Romans certainly has structure. Nearly every other book of the Bible has some sort of structure. You get to Proverbs and it's just one-liners and two-liners, one right after the other, throwing them at you. And one second it's something to do with money, and the next second it's something about family, and then it's about something else altogether. And you're reading it and you're thinking, what am I supposed to do with all this? But that's really also part of the brilliance of the book of Proverbs. Because the sages in their wisdom gave us the book of Proverbs as we have it. And I believe they were inspired to give us Proverbs as we have it. So maybe, just maybe, the way to learn wisdom isn't going and looking up all the answers about marriage and family. Maybe, just maybe, wisdom is complicated. It's a little difficult. It's not the four easy steps. If you want to learn what Proverbs says about, pick a topic, marriage, family, wealth, politics, religion... You'll have to go digging. You'll have to go searching. You've got to spend time with the sages. You've got to read the book over and over. And by doing so, it's like spending time with the wise man himself. And that's really the way you learn wisdom. Because wisdom is often caught, not taught. We can do all the fancy book learning. But really, the best way to learn wisdom is to be around someone who's wise. And that's kind of what we have in our Bible when we have the wisdom literature is, yeah, it's a book. But it's also the collections of a person. And you're spending time with the sages so that you can become like the sages. So you can become wise. And so just how life is topsy-turvy, and it's like just the time you think you got it figured out, and then you're like, well, I didn't think of that part, and then something else hit you. So is the book of Proverbs. It's not easy to nail down. It's not easy to just outline it one right after the other. Every now and then you get a cluster of Proverbs. So like four or five in a row that have to do with the same topic. And sometimes you tend to get a few insights in life altogether. But often, they just come flying at you 90 miles an hour, like telephone posts while you're driving by, just whoosh, 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 And that's life. But that's okay. Because the wise man and the wise woman knows that's how life works. And rather than trying to create some artificial life, they roll with the punches as they come. They take a delight in navigating life as it is, rather than as we thought it should be. And they work well with it. The beginning of Proverbs, the first seven verses, is really like the introduction to the whole book of Proverbs. It's the prologue, the preface, and here's what it says The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity, to teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young. Let the wise also hear and gain in learning, and the discerning acquire skill. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then the verse that we're all very familiar with. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What in the world does all that mean? Anybody else read that and get a little overwhelmed? It's a little detailed. Understanding, I mean, how many different ways can you say Understanding but maybe there's a little more that meets the eye. That first verse, the thing about Solomon is it's like the title for the entire book. Um, the closest you'll get in the Bible to like a, a title proper in the text itself for the book. And it says that it's the Proverbs of Solomon and most of them must be, but also there's several places in Proverbs where it says, these are the words of King Agur, King Lemuel, there's several sections where it says these are the words of the wise, which seems to be taken from people in Egypt, by the way, It's interesting. Wisdom is wisdom wherever you find it. All truth is God's truth, apparently. But why say these are the Proverbs of Solomon if not necessarily all of them are from Solomon? That seems weird. Is he the editor who put them all together? Maybe. That makes sense. Or maybe, just maybe, what they're doing is they're saying, yeah, a lot of these are from Solomon, but Solomon is the wise man par excellence. He's the one who is wise. And if you want to be like him, pay really close attention to what comes next. They're holding him up as the image. The words of Solomon, the uh, son of David, king of Israel. If you want to be like a son of David, if you want to be like a king of Israel, pay really close attention to what comes next. And then um, verses two through six, that middle section, the really complicated part, really it's giving us five different purposes for the book of Proverbs. It's telling us, here's, here's what you'll get if you pay close attention to Proverbs. Uh, is for learning wisdom and discipline. That is for learning how to woodshed life. For improving your craft, your skill in those various aspects of your life. That's what this book is for. It's also for understanding words of insight. Because words of insight are like a tool. A tool is really, it can be very powerful, but it's really pointless if I just have the tool and do nothing with it. And it's also dangerous if I have the tool, but I have no idea how to use it. So you can hand me a chainsaw, but I'm not saying anything good is going to happen with it. Well it's the same way, even with words of insight, proverbs and sayings, they're powerful on their own. They are, but you wouldn't give a two-year-old a loaded gun. Likewise, you got to know how to use these things to use them and use them well. And to use them for the glory of God. Proverbs not only gives you the sayings, it teaches you how to use the sayings. The more time you spend with the, the sages, the more you learn how to do that. One of my mentors, Dave Bland, used to say, a proverb is useless on its own unless you know how to use it. In fact, Proverbs itself says, a proverb in the mouth of a fool is like someone wielding a thorn branch. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's also for gaining instruction about wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. If you want to live a life that is good, one that is characterized by righteousness, justice, equity, this is what Proverbs helps us do, to be the good person, the person who is good. It's for helping the naive become mature, for helping a young man with knowledge and good sense. The book of Proverbs is really aimed towards young men originally, young men who are up and coming in Israel young pre-adolescent to adolescent boys. That's really what it's aiming at because it's trying to help them grow up. And to this day, I think Proverbs is very well suited for young people. I mean, think about it. If you can learn these lessons now, how many times have I heard people tell me things like that? Well, if you could just learn this lesson, that's the book of Proverbs in a nutshell. If you could just learn that lesson now, you would avoid debt, misery, pain, fill in the blank. That's what Proverbs is about if you would just learn the lesson now. Catch them while they're young and teach them the wise advice. But even though, it says, even the wise will add to their learning. yet yeah, we're never done with it. The person who says, yeah, I've got it all figured out. Usually that means, oh good, they have nothing figured out. Good to know. I'm not going to listen to their advice. You know, Socrates, the, the old philosopher from Greece, he said, um, I know basically nothing. And yet he was hailed as the wisest man ever. Or at least in secular culture. Because he knew practically nothing. And it kept him asking questions. It kept him learning. It kept him seeking. Our job is never done. You ask a sage who is hundreds of years old. Well, have you got it figured out yet? You know what they'll say. Not just yet. I'll let you know when I do. Because we're never done adding to our wisdom and our learning. It's a craft. It's a skill. It's also for understanding a proverb, difficult sayings, words of the wise, and their riddle. Again, you got to know how to use it in order to do something good with it. And these are the tools of the trade. Proverbs, difficult sayings, words of the wise, and their riddles. And the ones we find in scripture are like the foundational ones. And if you can master these, you'll find proverbs, difficult sayings, riddles, and words of the wise all over your life. And when you find them, they won't go over your head and you'll say, I feel like that was important. They won't just be one of those things that passes you by and everybody else is going, whoa, that was really great. And you're like, I didn't understand it. You'll be the one that takes those things like someone who's harvesting and you'll make good things with those proverbs, difficult sayings, words of the wise and the riddles. You'll know what they are and how to use them. It starts with proverbs. And that's the tools for building a good life. So if you want to live a good life and you want to read Proverbs, you're going to have to make a choice. In Scripture, over and over again, we tend to boil it down to one of two choices. And this isn't reductionistic. This isn't making simple that which is complicated. At the end of the day, there really is two choices that you have to make. You can choose the life that is good or you can have the good life. Do you hear the difference? It's subtle. It's, it's a little subtle. But you can have the life that is good. Or you can have the good life. I'll explain the difference as I see it. The life that is good is the life that is full of the benefits of all the things that the book of Proverbs would tell us about it's a blessed life of blessed living it is discipline it is freedom it is satisfaction and abundance it is hard work but it's hard work at work worth doing that will make you feel satisfied in short it is the fear of yahweh the beginning of knowledge it is the life that you've always wanted you know that life you've always dreamed of the one in your mind it's that life It's like a skilled artisan. You navigate life's difficulties with an ease and perhaps even a delight because you've been there and you won't make the same mistake twice and you know how to navigate these troubles. Whereas the good life, the good life takes the easy route. The good life is the road where you make instant gratification more important than long-term consequences. The good life is the way of debt family strife, adultery, dead-end jobs, idiot friends, and substance abuse. It's not the life you want. It's the life of the fool. It's the miserable road of attempted shortcuts and wasted time. It's not the life you want. It looks so good at the time, but it's so not. You read the book of Proverbs. The first nine chapters are like the classroom portion of the course Um, you know whenever you take a course and sometimes you have a classroom portion and a laboratory portion the first nine chapters are the classroom portion it's a father talking to a son and giving lectures it's get out your notebook your pen and paper we're at the whiteboard time to learn that's what this is the first nine chapters are the father giving him the fundamentals then chapters 10 through 31 are the tools it's the laboratory part it's the actual proverbs, difficult sayings, words of the wise, etc. And so, in other words, this is let's learn how to use them and then let's go put on our safety goggles and mess around and see if we can do this thing. Let's get out of hammer and nails and start hammering. Maybe we'll hit something. That's what the rest of it is. And so it's scary. It's always frightening, especially. If you've ever been in a high school wood shop you know just how frightening the laboratory portion of things can be if you've ever been in a science department during uh, dissection day you know just how scary the laboratory portion can be but it's so necessary because the learning that they get from putting their hands on it and doing it is unlike anything else I invite you my friends to the book of proverbs to live a life that is good and not to settle for the good life because God has made you for so much more. He has made you to live a life that is not just good, but that is very good, that is abundantly good, that is wise and good and holy. Choose for yourselves this day what kind of life you want to live. I put before you two options, and it's your choice. The life that is good or the good life. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txtandcontxt.com. It's text and context without E's in it. So again, that's txtandcontxt.com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.